This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to your latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with your host Christian Walsh, no Ian Doyle, he's still on holiday, still, three Long, weeks on. Longest holiday in history. He's just sat in his bills at home, isn't he? <laughs> Watching the World Cup, tweeting. He will be back next week though, so I'm, I'm in the chair today. I'm delighted to say to my right as well that is our full-time Liverpool correspondent, both home and away, and he will be away tomorrow, away at Chester, that's James Pearce, how are you Jay? Very good, thank you. And opposite me is tall Paul Gorst, who's been here seemingly for, you haven't had a break have you? No. Eight, no summer break for you. Eight, eight days in a row now. Yeah, um, you've just been sat in that chair. I know, yeah, I haven't moved, looking forward to a couple of days off. A couple of days off, and they're uh, taking the Chester game, which we will obviously be talking about later on in this episode but first of all uh loris carius we all thought that we were over what happened in kiev and <laughs> and everything that, uh, that needed to be said had been said but Jürgen klopp's been speaking to the official liverpool website today and he's uh, said a couple of words jay he's, he's pretty much given his full back into loris carius he said he 100 percent blames had a phrase in there but it was 100 percent down to his condition what happened against uh, real madrid the mistakes the condition of course being the concussion that he suffered i mean I suppose two questions for you. Number one, why has Jürgen come out and said this? And number two, what do you take from what he said? Um, well, I think the reason he's come out and said it, it is pretty clear in terms of you know, it's it's the day before Loris Carrius pulls on a pair of gloves and represents Liverpool again for the first time since that disastrous night in Kiev. Um, so it's you know it's a very public show of support from the manager for a goalkeeper who's had a very very tough time, and you know of course. You know, six weeks ago, I didn't expect to be sat here talking about Loris Carrier still being Liverpool's number one. Yet he is, and so it's not a great surprise really that um, that, that Klopp has, has come out and said what he's had. I think probably the most fascinating thing from what Klopp said is the admission that that, that this whole thing about Carrier's having concussion came from Franz Beckenbauer. Um, you know, just kind of another bit of a bizarre twist to Do- it. Doctor Beckenbauer, yeah, the um, you know, saying that was it four days after Kiev, he, he said he got a phone call from Beckenbauer, his old pal, who, who said that he'd been chatting to the most famous doctor in Germany, who'd said, um, you know, you could do with telling Jurgen that uh, I think Carius was concussed when he got that whack from Ramos, and and that maybe contributed to to the the two calamitous errors that that cost Liverpool the Champions League and. Um, you know, Klopp just confirming it was on the back of that that Liverpool reviewed the footage, got hold of Carrius, who by that point was on holiday in America, and and sent him to Boston for those tests. And you know, I, I know when that when that news first came out, what was it a week after Kiev? You know, I think it was pretty much split in terms of oh, here, you know, here we go looking for excuses, and other people going, well, hang on a minute, you know, these are these are elite world elite medical staff and. You know, they don't just make stuff up. You know, if they're saying he was concussed, they've done all the tests and he was concussed. And um, yeah, Klopp, you know, making it absolutely abundantly clear that he puts that meltdown in Kiev down to that blow to the head, saying it was 100% the explanation. That was his quote. He said, um, not an excuse, an explanation. Um, and, uh, you know, one of his other quotes that jumped out at me was, you know, now we start something new. Um, so clearly in Klopp's mind, it's a it's a fresh start for Carrius drawn a, l- a line under Kiev and, and wants to move on. I think the conversation around concussion, it, it needs to be widened, it needs to be more serious. I, I feel like it, it really is, especially in, in lieu of what's happened with Carrius, a lot of people just said, oh, he sort of knocked to the head, he could have shaken it off. I don't think concussion works like that. And I think everybody needs to 
you know, be smartened up on the effects of concussion and, you know, you look at what's happening in the NFL and that. That being said, is it hard to sell to Liverpool fans that what happened in Kiev, Gorsley, was, was down to the blow to the head? Now, obviously, the doctors have said that he was suffering from it. That's not necessarily to say that it was, you know, what he did was because of it, but he's, he, he officially suffered from concussion. Mm. But I'm talking from a fan point of view. Rightly or wrongly, they're not going to listen to what the doctors are saying. So, drawing a line under it after what happened in Kiev is going to be difficult for them. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. But, you know, I think the fact that, you know, the, this doctor has come out in Boston and, you know, unequivocally stated this is what, is what has happened. This this person was concussed at the time. You, you can't really argue with that. Only Lloris Carius will know how, how that's affected them on the day. And even now, then, he mightn't because of the, well, how concussion yeah, works. You know. True, yeah. I mean, he, he um, obviously basically threw it onto Benzema's toes, didn't he? And then the, the second one's gone through his hands. The, first, the, the second one you, you, you see more often, don't you? It's um, it's a it's a huge mistake, but it's one you see goalkeepers make quite a lot. Now, the first one is just completely bizarre, just literally rolling it onto his foot. I was, I was I remember saying at the time, you, you know, on like FIFA 18, you can't even do that on the game. That That's just so how bizarre the mistake was. And, you know, the... Concussion has contributed to that, but I think long term Klopp does place a lot of a lot of faith and uh, and trust in his players. You've seen it before with like today and Lovren and, and Alberto Moreno. It does take a lot before Klopp finally says enough's enough. This player isn't good enough. I'm I'm going to look elsewhere. And he, he isn't the most ruthless of managers. He he does kind of no. He said it himself, hasn't he? He's always a player's friend. He's not the best friend, but he is a friend. And maybe that's kind of where this has come in. He hasn't said enough's enough with Carrius and washing my hands of him. I'm, I'm out to bring a new goalkeeper in. Now, he might be looking at that behind the scenes, but when he's fronting up and he's in public, he's always going to back his player, and I think that's just a, another case of what we've seen today. I mean, obviously Klopp has come out and said this, Jay, but the fact that it's six weeks removed from the Champions League final and we're still talking about it, I mean, does that show you that the, the task on Loris Carius's hands this season if he does end up starting as number one which you know if they don't sign a new goalkeeper that is pretty much what will happen is does that just show you the task that he, he faces at Liverpool now because you know six weeks on we're still talking about it it's just going to be hanging over him like a cloud yeah it, you know he's got he's got a huge amount to prove and you know he'll he'll know that not everyone will will take Klopp's word for it they won't not everyone will take the medical opinion for granted and I, and I think also sometimes that kind of obsession with you know was he concussed you know which is just a you know how much that contributed to what happened in Kiev we will I don't think we'll ever know as you said I don't think Karius himself will know you know it'd be interesting when he you know he hasn't done any interviews since that immediate aftermath of Kiev when you know certainly at that point there was absolutely no suggestion um, that that whack in the head had, had contributed at all you know he, he gave interviews after the game of course he was very brave to front up in in the way he did, but I think I think the focus on that can maybe shroud the fact that he actually had a lot to prove even before. You know, if you take the final mm. out of the equation, it's you know I don't I don't go along with this idea that people that wanted Liverpool to spend big on a new number one this summer did so as a knee jerk reaction to what happened in Kiev because I, I know a lot of people who wanted Liverpool to spend big on a keeper long before Kiev, and um, you know I, th- I think. It, there was mistakes he made which were pretty worrying in, in the quarterfinal against Man City and in the semi-final against Roma that, you know, at the time to dwell on them would have been you know a bit ridiculous because it was such a thrilling journey Liverpool were on. The team were winning um, and, you know, as we know, you know, if you make a mistake in a win, it doesn't really get 
you know, you, you know, it's scrutinised really. Um, but the fact of the matter is, you know, and, I, and I'd be the first one to say, you know, I agree with them that Liverpool need an elite level goalkeeper if they're going to make that leap from being challengers to champions. And you know, so there will be a degree of frustration amongst fans that Liverpool haven't addressed that this summer. I think there's reasons for that. I think publicly Klopp is always going to back his man. You know, behind the scenes, there's still been a lot of work gone on. You know, we know that Alisson at Roma is the number one target. Getting that deal done has, has been problematic so far. Um, but And Klopp it just isn't that kind of manager, is he? He's not, I think some managers on the back of what happened in Kiev would have just felt, well, I, I have to go and buy a goalie. And if I can't get him, I'll go down the list and I'll get him or him. Um, but, you know, what we've been told, all, so many of the other names that have been banded around, you know, whether it's Nick Pope or Butland... Um, Stokosha, the yeah, Lazio. Yeah, uh, Schmeichel. Um, you know, there's been, been various. You know, even Sillison. Sillison at Barcelona. One, yeah, you know, the, the answer's always been no, no, he's not on Liverpool's radar. Um, and I think you, know, you only have to look at how Klopp's handled similar things previously, whether it's the left back situation, the holding midfielder, the centre back last summer when he couldn't get Van Dyke. He'll wait for what he wants. And so it's. I don't think people should think that just because Carrius is still the number one, it's a case that Klopp has just buried his head in the sand and gone, no, I'm not listening to anyone. Carrius is my man. I signed him for mines. I'm not prepared to waver from that. He's not stupid. He he will know that Liverpool can do better than than Carrius, but he, he obviously, he's got his sights set on a certain calibre of goalkeeper. And w- what he won't do is go and spend thirty, forty million pounds on what he thinks might only be a very, very minor upgrade, uh, and he'll wait for what he wants. Obviously, the Van Dyke situation. You look at Naby Keita as well. As James said, there it's uh, it's something Klopp likes to do. He likes to wait. Mm. He doesn't just spend willy nilly on somebody he's not completely sold on. He waits for the right person. But do you reckon, Paul, that? the one position where you could maybe get away with a, a cheap stopgap, for example, not necessarily to to usurp Carrius, but maybe to challenge him and, and, and give him that competition. Is, is goalkeeper the, is the one position where you can get somebody for five, ten million perhaps, see how it goes for a season, or do you just end up in the same position that they are now, looking towards next summer, and you've got ten million less in the bank? Yeah, that's another interesting one. I mean, I think it comes down to the amount of uh, of mistakes like players make mistakes all the time but once you're a goalkeeper you make a mistake that, that's it it's it's a glaring one and you've conceded a goal so I think if you're taking the, the Champions League specifically you know you look at those two huge mistakes in, in the final you could even make a case for one or two on, on the way as well but as James said it would be a bit cheerless to dwell on any of them because Liverpool won those games and there was just a, a euphoric sense of Liverpool are back and, and the huge European club once more so Looking back on on some of those instances, you know it would have been wrong. But you know, looking back with hindsight now, you, you could kind of say maybe that one could have been saved, or or the mistake against Roma in the first leg after the first fifteen minutes. So, but so I think if Liverpool were to target maybe a stopgap for maybe a year or, or eighteen months, however long it might be, and you think it would be an upgrade, I think it, it might be a, a risk worth taking. Now, obviously, we know the Klopp isn't like that. He, he targets one man and, and he sticks by it. Uh, steadfast Keiter and, and Van Dijk are the perfect examples of that but I think maybe this is a time where someone could be targeted for 15-20 million and be brought in for you know even if it's only for the season until there's number one who he's got you know at the, right to the very top of his shortlist is available so I think that could be an option personally Last word on Carius for now then James I mean 
he's, he's going to he's staying, Carius. There's no doubt about that. He's, he, you know, he probably will be number one if certainly yeah. if Liverpool don't sign anybody. As it stands, as it stands. Um, Simon Mignolet, we don't really anticipate him. Certainly, he won't be number one anyway. And I suppose it's up to him to to decide where his future lies. I want to bring up Danny Ward just really quickly. I mean, his name's been bandied around by Liverpool fans in general. Played one game last season, had a really good game, um, really good campaign with Huddersfield the season they came up two seasons ago. Is, is it, do, do you envision him getting a chance, or is is it is it as that ship sailed for him? No, I don't, I don't think that ship sailed for him. I think um, I, I think a lot could change in the goalkeeping situation between now and the start of the Premier League season. I think um, you know nothing's moved at the moment. I think the World Cup has played a part in that. Certainly, you know, you take Allison. I know, I know, Liverpool fear that Real Madrid would be Allison's first choice now, anyway. But um, you know, nothing's happening with him until until Brazil's involvement in, in Russia is over. Um, and the same with my, my information on Mignolet is Liverpool haven't even you know gone as far as to to put any kind of valuation on Mignolet. You know, I think it's been well documented that Mignolet doesn't want to hang around if he's going to be the number two. He's 30 years old now I think you know too right with the amount of experience he's got too good to be a backup at, at that age um, so I, yeah I'd still expect Mignolet to move on and I think you're right Danny Ward's probably been forgotten a bit in all the conversation about Carrius because he must be looking at it and thinking well hang on a minute you know nobody knows what kind of mental shape Carrius is coming back in you know it's, it's going to be interesting to see how well he does get on in these friendlies starting at Chester on, on Saturday and you know, I think you know the way I understand it is probably Carriers will get forty-five. Ward will probably get forty-five. And you know, if Danny Ward's ever gonna establish himself at Liverpool, then this this is his window. He must be looking at it and and thinking, you know, it has to happen now if it's going to happen at all. Because what what he won't want is he won't want to be relegated to another season like he had last year, where you know, talk about Mignolet being too good to be a number two. I think Danny Ward's ridiculously too good to be a number three, <laughs> which is the situation he found himself in. Last season, as you said, you know it was absolutely vital to getting Huddersfield in the Premier League, and um, there'll there'll be loads of interest in Danny Ward. Uh, I think there has been already, and there'll, there'll be more in the in the coming weeks. But of course, you know if if Klopp decides that he isn't going to bring in a new number one as such, then Liverpool could well find themselves in a situation where it's Danny Ward vying with Carrius to play regularly this season. And um, uh, you know, and certainly at the moment, you'd think that Danny Ward would be looking at that and. And probably relishing the challenge, and you know, again, you, you kind of hesitate a little bit because you, you know, I think I think Danny Ward's very popular amongst Liverpool fans. I think partly as well because you know he hasn't he hasn't done anything wrong, has he? That's the, the thing. Like, you're, well, yeah. you're, yeah. you're at your best when you're not playing. <laughs> the, um, but he, there's no doubt he is a talented a talented young goalkeeper, and you know that I think he could give Klopp some food for thought because you know for all the talk of how will Carrius respond to that, well, how will how will Danny Ward re- respond? You know, after a year when he didn't get a look in, now with Mignolet still at the World Cup and expected to leave, big chance for for Ward to show what he can do. It's a really unusual situation for Ward because he finds himself being third choice at his club and a, a fully fledged Wales international first choice. Um, it, you don't know how much he privately wishes he either went to Huddersfield last summer. Now, you know, one appearance all season, they were beaten, knocked out the cup straight away, and. and Never featured again. He, he was turned off for the under twenty threes, and you just you just kind of think maybe he might think it, it is time to move on. 
what is he, 25 was he a couple of weeks back? He's the same yeah. age as Carrius. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, th- I think they've actually got the same birthday, haven't they? Yeah. Yes, they have, um, yeah, yeah. So it's, it, it's now or never for Danny Ward at Liverpool if, if he is going to kick on. Okay, so Carrius and Ward, you mentioned they will be at Chester, um, possibly getting 45 minutes each. Football is back, proper football, none of that World Cup uh, <laughs> irrelevancy. Uh, no, club football is back. Liverpool are in action against Chester, and it's just—it's going to be nice, isn't it? It's just it's just to see a couple of things. But I think mainly for Liverpool fans, it's uh, Fabinho and Naby Keita. Yeah, that you know, that all eyes are going to be on the two new boys. I think um, Klopp confirmed yesterday that that both of them should be involved. Um, you know, it comes too soon for Joel Matip. He's still building up his fitness after that thigh operation he had uh, back in early April. Adam Lallana's been ill, but um, you know, apart from that, you know, he's he, he's pretty much got you know every, everyone else of the of the twenty six that reported to Melwood this week and. Uh, you know, I, had a chat with Chester's chairman yesterday, and you know, for, for all the talk and disappointment to a degree that there is there is obviously the kickoff clash with England Sweden in the World Cup. Um, there's also a real buzz over at Chester the fact that you know I think it was 16 years since Liverpool last went over there to play. Um, you know, I think you know they sold four and a half thousand tickets for this game. There won't be four and a half thousand there because I think I think it was 12 quid, 12 or 15 quid, I think it was, and a lot of people. I think having bought those tickets, certainly probably on the Chester side more than the Liverpool side, or or probably decide to to go elsewhere and watch the England game. But um, you know, there's no no doubt that Liverpool fans will still turn out in force because you know it is that first opportunity to see Fabinho and and Keita and um, you know and you, know, you throw Carrius into the mix as well. I think you know there'll be a lot of interest in in how you know and how how he does and. You know, you, you can't read anything into it, whatever happens. But you know, Liverpool are playing against a team from the National League North, and they'll be training in the morning and almost using the game as a, a second session. But um, yeah, it's still it's still exciting because it, you know, after after six weeks, it, it's back. Is there anyone you're in particular looking forward to seeing, Paul? Yeah, navigated. If I'm honest, um, I think I mentioned on on a pod we did last week. Um, I've I've seen more of Fabinho, so I know what he's about, and. He, He's a little bit more of a defensive mind in midfielder than Cater. I want to know this. Where, where have you been watching French football? Well, before I worked here, Christian, <laughs> I used to write about football for other websites. So, <laughs> and France was France was your patch. Yeah, they used to watch a lot of European. You just keep on dropping in. That you've seen loads of Fabinho, <laughs> but you've seen none of Cater. Not, like, right? not that I've seen him make fifty appearances in two thousand and sixteen, <laughs> but I, I've seen a little bit more than uh, than Cater's. But obviously, Cater's a, an all-action midfielder, mm. and, and it would like to believe that he does absolutely everything, and, and he's you know. Best things in slice bed. He's Liverpool's new number eight, and I think, obviously, as James says, it will be, you know, it'll, it'll be slightly subdued and, and, you know, a bit of a slow tempo too, probably. But just to see him in action after what feels like so long, because we've been writing about him since, you know, eighteen months, haven't we? You know, Liverpool's interest in last summer's transfer saga and all that kind of stuff. So to finally see him in a Liverpool shirt with number eight on his back, it'll just be great to see what he can do. Any uh, youngsters that we might see? I mean. I suppose we'll move on to these in a moment, but there will be the the, the loanees, if you will, the the Wilson, Ojo, Kent. But in terms of Neil Critchley's under twenty threes, or even you know what was Stephen Gerrard's under eighteens, Barry Lucas is now. Is it, will we see any of them? Do you do you think? Uh, I, I guess it will depend on you know whether Klopp decides whether the, you know apart from was he got twenty four if you take mm. out Matip and and Lallana. I think you know he, his plan was to use two two different eleven. So. If if everyone else there is able to be involved, then I, yeah, I don't think he'll be dipping too much into into the youth ranks. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, you know, Harry Wilson, you mentioned there, I, he's one I'm really looking forward to watching play in the next few weeks because you know, it was interesting speaking to people at the club this week about you know the way how just how much Klopp rates him so highly and just the dilemma that he faces in terms of deciding what's best for Harry Wilson's development. And um, you know, Liverpool have had a dozen loan requests from Championship clubs keen to take him on. Celtic as well. Although Liverpool have said no to Celtic already because they, you know they, they weren't happy with the way that Celtic handled their Premier League loan signings last season. Um, but you know I think the message was that that Wilson will get these four UK-based friendlies to show what he can do. And you know I think as we've touched upon in the pods before, Klopp places such a massive significance on pre-season. You know it, to him these aren't meaningless affairs. You know this is like. A, you know a, a, the stage for these young players to you know, go on and go and go and sh- you know you might only have forty five minutes at Chester, but go and show me how much you want to stay here and be part of this this season. And I think you know I think a lot of people will be desperate to see Wilson do well and for Klopp to keep hold of him this summer. I think the the dilemma there is you don't also don't want to stunt his development. And we know with Salah and Mane, um, you know we're going to be playing so many so many of the games where would Wilson fit into that um, and I think a lot of that's going to be down to him you know I, I certainly think he's ahead of similar players like Ryan Kent and Ojo um, in the pecking order but you know a, a lot can change in the next few weeks and it, it's down to him to to grasp the chance he's, he's going to get given big opportunity perhaps for I'd, I'd say two players in Origi and Solanke as well mm. again it, it almost feels like those two might be duelling once more James in terms of we know what happened last summer and the fact that Solanke basically nudged Rigi out of the club in a way um, into Wolfsburg for the season. I mean, this is the, Rigi will be given his chance, won't he? And, and he has to grasp it, really, with no Mane, no Salah. For me, no, still at the World Cup as, as we speak. It, it, it's a big chance as, as one of only two recognisable number nines, I suppose you could say. Ings as well, but of course we know his current situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah spot on. I think, again, if you're a Rigi... Similar to Danny Ward in a way, you, surely you'd be looking at it and thinking, you know, what an opportunity this is. Because, yeah, he didn't have a great time of it at Wolfsburg last season, but but Klopp's made it clear, you know, come back, you know, show me show me what you can do, show me how hungry you are to have a future at Liverpool. And you're right, you know, you, if Firmino gets to the World Cup final, then Liverpool aren't going to be seeing him till a matter of days really before the first Premier League game. You throw into the mix that we, you know, we don't expect Sturridge to stay at Liverpool this season. Solanke came on a lot last season, but is still pretty raw. Only one senior goal under his belt. You're right, Danny Ings, with a heavy heart, wants to move on in, in pursuit of regular first team football. So, you know, the, the stage is there for Riga. It's not like he's coming back with four or five or six ahead of him in the pecking order and thinking, you know, he's not a Lazar Markovic. Yeah. You know, he's not. He's, he's not one of those who's coming back and you just think. You know, what's the point? Why am I here? You know, I'm just biding my time till I go out, go out again. He, um, he has genuinely the Aquilani, as he's known. Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> you know, he, he has got a genuine, a genuine shot, and um, you know, he's still relatively young. He, one of the twenty-three, I think he is. Oh yeah, he was, he, he, yeah. he was born as a nineteen-year-old, wasn't yeah, he? Been around, you know, been around a long time, but you know, he is infuriating. Uh, I, I, he's infuriating to watch so I don't know how infuriating he must be to, to coach and manage because you, you kind of get the feeling that everything's there that he's got all the attributes you'd want in a striker yet you know, he, he doesn't bring them all to the fore enough and 
So, yeah, he, he would definitely be one that I'd be putting at the front of the queue in terms of looking forward to seeing how he fares in the coming weeks. He just needs to learn how to stay on side, doesn't he, really? You were talking there about Firmino and he could be in the, in the World Cup final. Uh, we've obviously still got Sadio Mane and Mo Salah there out of the World Cup, but they'll be returning for the American Tour. One player who, as, as we speak now, still is in the World Cup is Jordan Henderson. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about you, but... When I was watching that penalty shootout against Colombia and Henderson stepped up, I was just thinking, please, whatever you do, don't miss. Yeah. Uh, and to be fair, it was a good save. He's telegraphed it slightly, Jordan, but it's not the worst penalty I've ever seen. It was a decent save. But how relieved were you to see England go through after that? Because we know what can happen to players who miss decisive penalties in major championships for for England. Yeah, I mean... Th- the, the players who've missed penalties for England just just roll off the top of your head, don't they? David Batty, uh, Gareth Southgate, Stuart Pearce. In fact, Southgate even ended up on an advert getting the mickey taken out of him, didn't he? Because he missed that penalty in, in Euro 96. Um, so I was glad to see England go through. Um, obviously, you're always glad to see England stay in, stay in any tournament. But um, a little added bonus was the, the fact that Henderson wasn't seen as the one who, the only one who missed and, and England are out. So... Uh, great, great to see that. Uh, looking forward to, to seeing uh, the quarter final tomorrow against Sweden. Every time I've seen Sweden, they, they just they bore me to tears. If I'm honest, Sweden, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> I can see it being another war of attrition. If I'm honest, but you know, England playing for a chance in a, in a World Cup semi final, and Henderson has been one of the leaders of that team. Um, he, he's played really well in midfield. He, he's got the nod ahead of Eric Dyer, who, who I don't think had a great tournament, and he has re- really shown his leadership qualities, which a lot of people who um, who perhaps you know some of his detractors who don't watch Liverpool every week, but but are England fans don't always see. Um, obviously, we're all f- fully fledged Henderson fans. We we know what he can do for Liverpool. He's been the captain for what is it three years or so now, um, and it's it's great to see um, you know one of Liverpool's leading lights going at this deep into the tournament with an England side. We had somebody on Twitter, um, someone called Dan Kenneth, You know, really a really good fan. Uh, you know. Gives us good feedback on these podcasts. The last time we talked about Jordan Henderson, he said, "You know, it's interesting because you're all fully French Henderson fans, but you know, where's the balance? Where's the where's the, the the negative side of things with Henderson? Now, you know, we've all said how much of Henderson fans we are. I mean, James, do you can you see where people are coming from when they don't rate Henderson? Do you sort of understand the criticisms that he gets sometimes about his passing and, and, and you know he doesn't go forward enough or he isn't he isn't skillful enough. I mean do you see where people are coming from there? Not really, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, Next. no just to just to disappoint those uh, those who aren't big fans of Jordan Henderson. Um no, I mean do you know what like anyone he has good games and yeah, bad yeah, games. Yeah. I wouldn't you know he's not perfect is no, he? he's, no, he's not perfect. He's not. And some, you know, you, I can, you can think back to games he's had for Liverpool where you know he's he's really really struggled and you know and you, you think back to that Burnley game you know just after he'd been turned into a holding midfielder by Klopp and it was like oh my god you know that you know the, the, he can't play that position and then you look you look at him now and he's going to be walking out in a World Cup quarter final playing exactly that position and you know, as I've said on previous pods just look at all the managers who have picked Jordan Henderson. But they can't all be wrong, can they? It's not like he's he's like teacher's pet for one one manager and who's just completely blind to his faults. So many managers have have, have picked him and stuck with him because they know what he's going to get. Yeah, if, do you know what? He's not the most technically gifted footballer in the world. He's not going to dribble past four players and bang one in the top corner. Yet he 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 delivers a really particular role for a team that manager after manager at club and international level really really value and. 
you know, it's amazing to think go back a few weeks and there was this debate about whether he'd even start the first group game you know would Dyer get picked ahead of him now I'd say he's one of the first names on England's team sheet I thought he was I thought he was absolutely brilliant the other night and you're right you know I was genuinely relieved that that, that penalty miss well miss save wasn't like a defining moment in England's World Cup campaign because I think that would have been really cruel on him and it would have had knock-on effects we know in terms of being goaded at away grounds next season and he didn't deserve that because he's actually performed really well in this World Cup he was really good the other night against Colombia you know just covers so much ground gives so much energy um, I was talking to Phil Thompson you know former Liverpool and England captain today about Henderson and you know and just how much he's been blown away by his impact and he said you know he is like the captain you know he isn't he doesn't wear the armband Kane Kane wears the armband but he's such a big leader in that team and um you know hopefully he can help inspire another big performance from England on Saturday because um Liverpool, uh, England will never have a better chance to get into a World Cup final again than than the one that's presented them in this competition you know the, the stars have aligned really and no one expected it and um you know there's still a lot of work to be done but you know the fact is that Sweden and then Russia or Croatia lying in your path. It's it's, it's, it's European Championships gear that isn't it in yeah. terms of yeah. you know your last sixteen and yeah. your quarter finals. Well, I, I saw someone describe it yesterday as um, England's side of the draw is almost like the plate competition, and the other side of the draw <laughs> is like the World Cup. And I thought that was a good description yeah. because it it does almost feel like that because you know just growing up as a kid and you know you're almost like. You'd look at your wall charts and think, oh, God, if we get to the second round, you're going to play them or Germany or Brazil, the quarterfinals. Oh, and you know, at least we, you know, and then and suddenly this time around, Colombia, okay, England made very heavy weather of beating Colombia, but Sweden, you know, have to be respected. England's record's pretty poor against Sweden, but, and, you know, I, don't, and I just think, for me, it's, it's just fantastic that two Liverpool players are involved in such a, such a massive, massive game. And, you know, I think this tournament will help. Henderson as well. I think he'll have knock-on benefits for Liverpool because um, he, he certainly it feels like he's grown in stature on the international front in the last few weeks. And I think even people I know who, who do knock him regularly, Liverpool fans, I think, have, you know, almost begrudgingly ad- admitted that he has had a very, very good World Cup so far and, and hopefully he's got another couple of big performances in it. I mean, I think there was definitely... When he was struggling with injuries, most certainly, you know, he, he was struggling for form, he was struggling for that consistency, <laughs> but... What what I've noticed in, in 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 Russia for England is 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 how fit he's looking at the moment, and and likewise towards the end of of the campaign for Liverpool, he he, he looks like he's put all of his problems behind him, and you know touch wood, but he he just seems to be a lot more mobile at the moment. He seems to be fitter, fresher. He's not flagging towards the end of games, and this is playing in a in a you know in a role where ultimately it, it's a different one to Liverpool. Three at the back, he's probably having to cover a little bit. A little bit more ground, perhaps, and it's just good to see him looking a bit more comfortable than he has in maybe over the past eighteen months for Liverpool. Yeah, definitely. I think you look back to that heel injury, which we're led to believe is basically never goes away; is always there. But he he, he is he's playing a lot of games, and he's 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 basically running the show midfield, isn't he? He's covering so much ground, as you say, and I think he's a naturally fit player anyway. But just seeing him in, in midfield, but like pressing all the time, I think a lot of that's down to the way Klopp likes him to play, and he, li- he likes his system t- to play, and and he's been thriving in that role, and he's just carried it on to, to England's World Cup um, campaign, hasn't he? He's um, he's always pressing and harrying, but he's he's a lot more than just a just a runner. You know, when he gets on the ball, he can play it long and short, and as detractors say, okay, he does, doesn't play forward too often. 
um, which is it, they might have a point to to an extent, but you can't always play that defence split and pass. And if you play it too, forward too often and give it away, you know people get on your back for that. So you, can, you can't win to an extent. But pe- people who are fans of him know exactly what he brings to the team, whether that's England or Liverpool. And you, you know it just goes to show he's played. 200 games for Liverpool or whatever it is and he's now the captain Champions League finalist last season could could so very easily have won that and uh, he's going to be stepping out in a World Cup quarter final on Saturday so you know people who, who you know people who are overly negative towards Jordan Henderson I think are, are well wider than Mark and of course good for Trent as well isn't it because I mean what, what a 12 months he's had I mean you know it's a hometown lad, born in West Derby, as he said when he, you know, there's that clip that's been doing the rounds of him when he was in the under-17 saying, you know, I'd be the first lad from West Derby to ever play in the World Cup finals. And he's gone, you know, starting in the Champions League final for his boyhood team and now he's, albeit, you know, off the bench, but he's he's there with England as well. He must be feeling about 10 feet tall at the moment and it's it's, it's a huge thing for him. Yeah, I think, and again, like it's similar to Henderson, I think Liverpool benefit from that. From that as well, yeah. Of course, you know it's not ideal in terms of missing a, a chunk of pre-season. But you know what, you know what an, an amazing experience for a 19-year-old kid. And you're right when you think back in the last 12 months of what's happened to him. You know, he, he must just pinch himself and think, oh my god, you know. Because I remember Liverpool played that end of season friendly, didn't they, in, in Sydney, hmm. um, the back end of May last year. And I remember doing an interview with him that then actually just it was overlooking Bondi Beach yeah, in your flip flops. Oh, probably playing keep you up showing with him, yeah, weren't you? Yeah. It was uh, it was like uh, yeah, I don't get to do too many interviews on Bondi Beach these days, <laughs> but um, that was a, that was a good one. But yeah, and just even then he was like he was buzzing about the steps he'd made forward then, but kind of like oh I know it's going to be even tougher this year. You know it's going to you know it's it's always more difficult the, the second year for a young player and having to prove himself and then when you, when you think where he everything he's been through now and, and the amazing thing is he just takes it all in his stride doesn't it you know even even against um you know belgium when he got his chance in the group stage not remotely phased you know all right not every delivery he put in the box was to his usual high standard still whipped in a few absolute beauties but just the fact that england gave him that responsibility i thought was, on free kicks he's yeah. 19 yeah. he's on free kicks <laughs> just it just um, and it just i think it just shows just how much of an impression he's made around the squad as well. The fact that it wasn't even you didn't even get there was any sense of are you sure? Like are you sure? Yeah, I'm on these. Don't worry. You know, I'll, I'll take <laughs> I'll take care of this. And um, he's probably a little bit unfortunate in a way that I think probably behind Kane and Henderson, England's third best player, probably alongside Maguire in the World Cup so far has been Trippier. Yeah. I think it's been absolutely sensational. Mm. I I've got to admit, I had absolutely no idea that Trippier was so good. Yeah, <laughs> he's, 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 he's stepped up massively, hasn't he, at Tottenham yeah. since the yeah. old... Um, who's, who's the right Kyle Walker. Yeah, Kyle Walker, of course, yeah. yeah. He, yeah. Um, since he's come into that, he's, he's, he really has stepped up and he's probably one of the best in the Premier League now, so yeah, it's no, no shame on, on Trent to, to, for him to play second fiddle at this stage. No, but you know, who knows, he may well be needed. You know, And uh, and as we said, you know, the great thing with Trent is... You know, if I think Southgate will know that if he is called upon, you know, he'll he'll treat a World Cup quarter final against Sweden just like he'd he'd, he'd treat an under seventeen game at, at at Kirby because you know he's just so level headed and and humble and down to earth and you know all of those qualities that we've seen from him week in week out in a Liverpool shirt. 
Just don't take a penalty, Trent. I don't think, <laughs> yeah. don't think our hearts could take it. I don't think, I don't think Andy could take <laughs> yeah. it. I don't think Andy Kelly needs Trent. Not with his dodgy ticker. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't yeah. need it to be but taken. If he scores or he misses it, it's going to be bad news for Andy's ticker. <laughs> if he scores, a chicken shop is getting raided. Uh, that's all from us then this week. We'll be back next week when we'll be uh, hopefully talking about you know, Trent and Henderson in a World Cup semi-final. Looking back at the Chester game and obviously all those wonderful transfers that you all love. So thanks very much for joining us this week. Have a great weekend and we'll speak to you now. Take care. Bye. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.